Okay. Good morning, everybody. My name is Larsine. I'm a very grateful member of Al-Anon. And um, I get to lead you in this workshop. And so we're going to spend the first 15 minutes of the workshop letting you know why I'm not qualified to lead a workshop. Okay? I just want to make that really perfectly clear. You know, I am not an authority on this program. I am just a member like you, like all of you are. No more, no less. And, uh, and everything that's been given to me and anything good that you ever hear come out of my mouth is not original. Um, it's what somebody else gave to me. Because all my original thoughts are crap. Right out of the gate. I mean, I will go. That's just what happens for me. You know, my sponsor always told me, uh, you know, that when you're going to share, you know, she says everybody's an example. You know, some are good and some are bad, you know, but um, but she says, but if you can't be a good example when you're talking from the podium, then be a very loud warning. Okay, so. uh, (laughs) So hopefully this morning I will be a good example and I'll try not to be a loud warning, you know, but this is always a difficult thing for me because, um, um, you know, I I, I make notes about things, you know, about what we're going to tell you, know, what what I hope that I'm going to get to talk about with you this morning. But, you know, I don't talk from notes and, and, and what I wrote down last week or two weeks ago when I was thinking about doing this, you know, maybe was was a real spiritual aha at the moment. And now I'll look down it and go, what the frick was I thinking? You know, I mean, because that's just, you know, this is a one day at a time program and we all grow at our own rate and pace. And, uh, you know, and I can feel so strongly about something one day and then I'll go to a meeting and somebody will share a different, you know, perspective of that same thing. And. And to me, the beauty of the program is being able to change my minds about, you know, things. And, uh, and you know, and again, it's just the beauty of being here. What I have learned, you know, I've been in Al-Anon for 28 years. And, you know, and the one thing that I have learned every meeting I go to, that everybody is doing the very best that they can. You know, no more, no less. That's the deal here. And, uh, and I'm certainly going to try and do that with you. But I can only share my experience, strength and hope. I can only share the things that have happened to me, you know, and that I've been able to walk through with you, you know. And, and again, what works for me may not work for you, you know. Uh, you know, again, I'm not in charge of any of that. Uh, you know, I'm just going to, you know, like I say, share, share what I can share with you. Um, uh, when I talked with uh, Teresa, and you can blame Teresa because I said, whoa, workshop, I don't know, you know, and stuff like that. She's the one who talked me into it. And so, um, but, but, but when she asked about what, this new book had just come out, and I had just started, had just started reading that. I love our literature. I absolutely, positively love our literature, you know, and uh, it's where, it's what we're about. And, and the answers are in it. And, um, and, the re- and, and choices has always been a big, big deal for me. Because when I came in and I was new, I was just like, you know, growing up in an alcoholic home, this was a life that was forced upon me. You know, and then marrying an alcoholic, that was forced upon me. And, uh, you know, and the family disease of alcoholism, to me, the one thing it doesn't want you to think you have is choices. You know, because when you don't have choices, there's nothing you can do about your situation. You know, then you are trapped and you are doomed to keep walking down that dark path and living that life. You know, and, and I'm here to tell you that you do have choices. And I'm also here to tell you that they are not always easy choices. They are not. Some choices are really, really hard to make. They are really hard. Detaching from a child, you know, that's using and abusing, you know, getting a divorce, whatever. These are really, really hard, hard things. You know, and when I talk, a lot of times I get to talk at AA conferences mostly. And, um, uh, you know, and the deal for me with that is, um, you know, being the Al-Anon speaker at an AA conference is kind of like being the uh, corpse at an Irish wake. Uh, 
nobody expects you to say much, but they can't have the party without you, you know, kind of a thing. So, you know, I'm usually the token person there, you know, doing the deal. And a lot of times after I'm done, you know, because obviously the audience has a lot of alcoholics in it, they'll come up to me and they'll say to me, you know, you know, well, my wife divorced me after she started going to Al-Anon, you know, and uh, and again, the reputation that we kind of get behind some of that. Again, what I know is lack of knowledge on their part, you know, and I'll try and talk to them and tell them, you know, you, you know, what I really want to say is she didn't divorce you because she started going to Al-Anon. She divorced you because you're obviously a horse's patoot. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe you're sober, but you're still whatever. And uh, <laughs> but I don't say that. Thank you. You know, because it's a program of attraction. But what I you know, but what I try and let people know and what I really believe here is, you know, a lot of times I was, you know, telling somebody last night, people will say that, like, Butch and I are this big success story because I'm an Al-Anon and he's an Alcoholics Anonymous and our marriage survived alcoholism, or at least it has to this point. And um, because it is one day at a time. And, um, you know, and I'm here to tell you that that does not define success to me in this program at all, you know, because success for me is not that my marriage is good, you know, or that I'm still married or that I'm still in the program. You know, success for me is the fact that, you know, I strive to be a better person every day because of this program. You know, and if you're here and you're not married anymore or whatever, you know, or you have people that are still practicing no matter despite the fact that you've been in the program, you know, the, the deal is, is that it is about us. It is strictly about us and our choices. And that's what defines a success. If you're here and you're doing the best you can day in and day out, then, then you are a, a huge success as, as, as much as is, is possible here. And um, uh, I want to read the, the, the preface of this book because I'm not going to go into the chapter things because I know we're going to do those in the breakout sessions. But um, the thing that attracted me into this book was actually the preface. It says there are no simple answers to the difficult and complex challenges of relationships affected by alcoholism. As Al-Anon members, we have a wide range of experience in dealing with every type of difficulty that results from our relationships with problem drinkers. Yet as we share our experience, strength, and hope in the mutually supportive environment of Al-Anon meetings, we often discover possibilities and positive choices. In applying the principles of the Al-Anon program to our own lives, many of us find an inner strength that has a positive effect on all our personal relationships. This book brings together a cross-section of the wisdom and insight that many of us uncover in Al-Anon as we search for understanding, integrity, harmony, and love in our relationships. In this book, we share how we use the tools offered by the program to learn about ourselves and discover spiritual resources we didn't know we had. Our opportunities for progress depends only upon how well we keep our focus on what is within our power to change. As one Al-Anon member shares in this book, my family is doing the best they can. As I gradually let go, however, I find that their view no longer makes the sky any less blue for me. In Al-Anon family groups, we discovered that those choices are available to all of us, provided that we're able to put our relationship problems in perspective and open ourselves to whatever each day offers. By putting our own lives on more solid footing, we can have a positive effect in our interactions with others, ultimately improving the quality of all our relationships. While there's no instant solution, we discover in Al-Anon that there are more choices available to us than we had thought. This book shares with you some of those possibilities. And I believe that, that, that it absolutely, truly does. And then the two things, you know, because we don't have time to go through the entire book, of course, 
uh, when Teresa again asked me which chapters I wanted to work on, you know, for the morning session, I said I would like to do chapters one and two, which which are really about about where we are, who we are. And then and then the afternoon session, you know, is it. So the first morning is about our relationships with ourselves this afternoon, our relationship with God. You know, it's my experience that when I'm okay with me and I'm okay with my God, then being okay with you and everybody else just falls into place. And uh, and I think that those are just really, really super important things. Um, you know, in the first chapter is we start from where we are. And, you know, and, and when I came into Al-Anon, uh, there was this great lady. Her name was Martha Parsons. And and she was like in Al-Anon, like 1950 something. She started coming and uh, and she was just a jewel at our meeting. And uh, her husband got sober once in 1954 for six months. And that was it. And uh um, and she said when she started coming to meetings, you know, when Al-Anon started back and she started going, you know, she said the only question she had when she was at meetings was, how do you get that look off your face? You know, and man, I totally understood what she was talking about because I don't know, but I just felt like I just had that permanent look on my face. And uh, and, 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 it, and that was a really, really hard deal for me. But again, you know, the answers are in the steps and the steps are so important. I can't even emphasize, you know, to me. You know, the majority of the steps are about our relationship with ourselves. What are we doing about our behaviors and, uh, you know, and recognizing our behaviors, recognizing our character defects, making changes of those things, making amends for things we have done, taking responsibility for our part, all in the steps. You know, the steps are the program. They are the action we learn to take to, le- to learn to live life differently. And, uh, and, you know, to me, the big deal about the steps is they reveal the truth. And I believe the family disease of alcoholism can't live where the truth is, you know, and that's when, uh, um, you know, when, when I think about in the beginning, you know, my very, very first and foremost for me, you know, my first recollection of any of feeling anything is fear. It's the first emotion I remember, and for good reason, because I lived in a very fearful environment. I had a lot of stuff to be afraid of. Uh, that's where the violence was in my home and the both physical and the verbal happened for me. And um, and 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 my first uh, recollection of of knowing that, you know, right away, my my very first memory of my family is there's something wrong. The the very first thing. And I remember the very first time uh, that I thought that there was something wrong with me and that I played a part in that. And we were changing duty stations. And uh, and while that was happening, uh, my mom took us out to California to visit her family who lived out here. And I was maybe seven years old or something like that. And I remember we come into California and we stayed at my aunt and uncle's and they live in Pacific Palisades, which is a really ritzy, ritzy part, you know. And they had this beautiful home with this beautiful pool. And my uncle was this really lovable guy. And it was my first time in another family situation where, you know, Everybody wasn't shaking in their boots all the time about what was going on. And uh, and then what I remember about that trip is 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 landing in Chicago when we because that's where our next duty station was after we came home and um, and having a great time up until that plane landed. And I'm seven years old and the plane lands and I got this awful feeling in the pit of my stomach, you know, and it's because I know my dad is waiting for us and I don't want to go there. And I'm seven years old and I know there's something wrong with me because he's my dad and I don't want to go there. You know, and that's just where alcoholism just starts taking as far as I can recall its foothold on me, you know, that there's something wrong with me, you know, and, and again, just the absolute craziness. And that's where the character defects begin, the lying, the people pleasing, you know, the taking on other people's responsibilities, the overachieving, all that stuff is just uh, what happened, you know. And and so, you know, and the thing that I, you know, that I think when 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 I 
think about, you know, where we came from, you know, there's like kind of four sections that I kind of want to cover. And I want you guys to think how that applies to you. You know, and, and the first thing I think about is I think about the things that alcoholism took away from me, you know, that I would like to get back in my life. You know, the joy of life and uh, and humor, forgiveness, all those things uh, and the things that alcoholism, the family disease brought on to me. You know, I'm a reactor. You know, and again, I don't know, and, and, and that to me is, is a direct result of, you know, part of who I am, but part of how the family disease of alcoholism affects me. I just, you know, and I try not to be that way. I try and say, stay calm, stay calm. But I, it's just like anything happens, like I say, I've got to have a card. I've got to know what to do. I can't have a void in my life. And, uh, and I have to work really, really hard on that. You know, an example of that is, is, is we have a motorhome. We go camping. Uh, we like to do that. Um, and I enjoy camping. There's lots of, I love the beauty of camping. I don't like the work of camping necessarily. And, and I don't like some of the things associated with camping. I don't like the dirt. I don't like the bugs. You know, I, I, I like the motorhome part, bathroom, toilet, up off the ground, you know, that kind of stuff goes really, really good with me. Um, you know, but uh, we, we were camping, uh, and we were in um, Oregon, or not Oregon, we were in Utah at Zion National Park, and we'd been hiking a lot, and they had, a, and it was in the summertime, lots of bugs. I mean, it was like bug, bug city. I am not a bug person. I don't mind snakes. I don't mind lizards, but bugs freak me out, and, uh, and it had been a bug day, a long bug day. And so and now the evenings we've had dinner, we're sitting around the campfire, roasting marshmallows, doing all that stuff. And all of a sudden, I feel something cold slide down my neck, you know, and I'm just like, that's it. I'm done. I'm screaming, yelling, ripping off my clothing. You know, other people are coming over from the campground. You know, what's going on? And my husband, what is it? I'm, it's in my bra. It's in my bra. You know, and he reaches down in there and pulls out my earring. <laughs> For the entire world to see. And, uh, and again, you know, it's, nah, it's not who I want to be all the time. And again, it's just in contempt prior to investigation. Because like I say, my first thought's always a terrible thought. It's always, this is icky. This is, you know, not what I want to have happen. And, um, you know, and I'm a controller. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And, and I, and I recognize that part. And again, how alcoholism affected me because there's some illusion I have that if I can control everything that's going on, I can control the disease and make it be okay. You know, and all it does is just make, uh, everybody around my family nuts and, uh, and, I, and again, that's not the person that I want to be. That's not what I want to have going on. And, um, you know, and, and another deal, you know, that I've, uh, you know, the things that are important to me now and today, you know, are about letting other people be exactly who they need to be. You know, I want to love my kids exactly for who they are. I want to love my husband exactly for who he is. It's not my job to be the husband. It's my job to be the wife. And it's not my job to be the son. It's my job to be the mother. And so I really try and stay focused on what my portion of that job is. And, um, you know, uh, and again, the people-pleasing part of me that's always trying to make it be all right, um, that's always been a really, really difficult part for me, too. And, uh, and, I, and I spend a lot of time working on that and a lot of time trying to... Uh, to not let that be such a big deal for me anymore. Because, you know, because when I'm trying to people please you, I'm not letting you have the dignity of being who you are and feeling how you have to feel about stuff. And, and I'm always compensating because I just I'm a big, big compensator. If you don't know, you know, then I'm just always it's like um, uh, 
like dating my husband was hard. It was hard because he couldn't remember my name, you know. So, uh, you know, I know, you know, so. But if you're going to date an alcoholic, you can't let a little thing like that stop you. You know, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. But uh, and I know my name is different. It is weird, you know, and uh, and, and my name, it's, it's Larcine. It's L-A-R-C-I-N-E. And my dad named me that. You know, and my dad, like I say, had a lot of issues with having girl children, did not like having girl children. And uh, but because I was first born, my dad was very, very proud of his Scottish heritage. So he gave me this name, Larcine, which he told me was the name of a town in Scotland. So being born a girl was bad. But, you know, but being first born, I got this very special dispensation to get this honored, honored name. And um, and after I was in Al-Anon for a while, um, you know, and of course, my dad is, is, is long gone. But I was, you know, after I was in Al-Anon a while, I started looking, you know, trying to look up my name. And this is before computers and Google and crap. And you actually had to go to the library. And uh, and I went to the library and uh, I went to, you know, the book on Scotland, could find no Scotland, you know. And so I went to the reference librarian and asked her to see if there was a place, Larsine, Scotland. And she, like, you know, called me the next day. She rep, no, there's no Larsine, Scotland. And, uh, you know, so, you know, one more time again, you know, this is crap. And so um, there turns out there's a friend of mine in the program who goes to Scotland often. And he says to me, you know, well, let me go check it out because Scotland is a very old country. Maybe, you know, there's not Larsine, Scotland now, but maybe there was Larsine, Scotland. You know, so let me go, you know, 100 years ago or something. Let me go check it out. He goes, comes back, no Larsine, Scotland. You know, never been such a place on the face of the frigging planet. And, uh, and so now I go. You know, I go where I always go. You know, one more time, disappointment. One more time, a big fat alcoholic lie. One more time, Larcine, bogus crapola name, you know, and stuff like that. And I'm running with it, and I'm running with it, because that's what I like to do with the negative. You know, how I'm affected by the family disease of alcoholism. And so, you know, and now I'm seriously considering changing my name, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm going to have a different name and blah. And I, get, and I get angrier and angrier about it. And then one time I'm at an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous with my husband, and this friend of mine who's in AA comes up to me, and he goes, oh, my God, Larcine, I found out that Larcine is a Scottish word. I am like, you are kidding me. He's going, no, it's a Scottish word. I go, what is it? You know, what? What? Tell me. You know, and he goes, he goes, Larcine is a Scottish word for father was drunk when daughter was born, so daughter got a weird name. So. <laughs> now. I am pretty darn sure that is not a true thing. I am almost positive of that. But what he went on to say to me was, is, is you know what? I believe your dad believed that Larcine was the name of a Scottish town. Whether he was drunk or what happened or if he misread it or whatever, you know, that's what he thought. And, the, and that was a gift that he gave you, you know. And just because, again, one more time, it's not wrapped away. You know, and see, and how I'm affected and what alcoholism gave to me, you know, was just this very narrow, narrow, narrow vision of everything. Just this blocked off, dark, dark view. And, you know, and what and what people constantly give me in this program is this just open, just a different way to look at it. Because, see, my circumstances have not changed since I have been here. But my attitude about my circumstances has definitely changed. And not because of me. It's because of, you know, talking to people who let me just look at it from a different perspective. And what it does to me day in and day out when I do that is it gives me the shot at a good life if I so choose to take it. All I did was give me a different way to look at it. The facts still remain the same. It's not about changing it or making it different. It's about, okay, this is what's going on and what can we do to make it be different.
You know, and now I'm proud of my name. I know exactly what it means, and uh, and 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 I like it. And Butch knows my name now. I'm here to tell you. I mean, he 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 knows it. He knows it really, really, really super well. So uh, there's not a problem. You know, and then you know, and, and then another thing that I think about is you know things about me that I don't like and would very much like to change. You know, and some of it has to do with alcoholism and some of it doesn't have to do. Some of it has to do with exactly, you know, like I say, who I am and how rigid I am and, you know, my grim determination to have things my way. I remember the first time I read that in our literature. I mean, the, the whole to have things my way, but the grim determination part. You know, I mean, that's the part. And I know that everything I did was so focused on that. You know, when, when they say, you know, like the first step, I am powerless. A lot of issues I had with powerlessness. My, I am not powerless. You know, I mean, I can take a drunken husband and two kids and force them in a car and make them go on a picnic. You know, I mean, I, I've done it. It's happened. You know, now I'm not saying anybody had any friggin' fun on this picnic, you know, or the, that they even remember that we went on a picnic. You know, but by God, we're going on a picnic, you know, by God, we're going to do this. And I don't want my life to be that. But that's what alcoholism forced me to like, like if we went through the motions that it would make these things happen. And, um, you know, and 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 something that someone I read somewhere, someone told me, you know, one time this is, you know, if you stay rigid, you will break. And that's exactly what happened to me, because I was just so absolutely rigid about everything. And like I say, the compensating thing all the time, um, you know, like when my boys got long hair, when they were teenagers and growing long hair, everybody had long hair, you know. So my hair starts getting shorter and shorter and shorter because somebody in the house has to have short hair, you know. So, I mean, I don't, you know, whatever, you know. And again, it's just, you know, how I always do things, you know. And then and then this and this and, and again, thinking that I don't have choices about situations and what's going on. When I first got in the program, I used to go out to see my mom. My mom uh, stayed married to my dad for about 21 years before she finally divorced him. And uh and I was terrified when my mom divorced my dad. I was already out of the house and all that stuff. But, you know, my dad was always going to kill you. If my mom left him, he was going to kill her. I mean, you know, and I was terrified for my mom. I'm like, you know, I told my mom, God, aren't you afraid that dad's going to kill you? And, and I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, I'd rather be dead than live this way one more day. Now, my mom never made it to Al-Anon. She's not really thrilled about me being here. And um, but she accepts it because after 28 years, she's finally kind of figuring out that it makes me feel better about who I am, you know, and I'm really, really grateful for that. But I used to have to go out and see my mom, you know, and I go out and see my mom all the time. And and um, but I had a lot of uh, things with my mom, because, like I say, my mom lived 21 years with this very violent, angry alcoholic. And my mom thinks she's pretty she she handled it all pretty well. And you don't discuss the stuff with other people. That's just her generation and what she kind of grew up with. And it bothers her. You know, she doesn't like me, you know, talking about family stuff in a group thing like this. She would not be pleased about this. But she says, if you have to do it, you tell them I was a good mother. And um, <laughs> And I am here to tell you my mom was a good mom. I know today my mom did the very, very best with what she had to work with, too, because I think we're so fortunate. You know, when my mom, you know, she'll even tell me now, you know, I never heard of Al-Anon. I never heard of Alcoholics Anonymous. You never talked about stuff like that. You made your bed, you lied in it, you know, and, and you kept your family stuff inside. You just didn't talk about those kinds of things. And uh, But anyway, you know, when I get to go out to see my mom, especially in the beginning, you know, and I go out to see my mom and my mom's all into the always the doom and gloom and the family gossip and who's doing what one time we had two cousins marry each other that was huge and uh boy that was big stuff and uh 
You know, but it's always, so I was telling my sponsor one time when I do out there, you know, I, I, you know, I, I know it's my job as a daughter and I love my mom and I want to be with my mom, but it got, sometimes it's just such a downer, just negative, 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 negative. You know, my sponsor says, well, why don't you bring some positive to it? You know, and again, it never occurs to me about my part and what I can do to do something. She goes, wouldn't you go there? Why don't you go shopping or go to the movies or take her out to lunch? You just don't have to sit there and just, you know, talk about, you know, garbage all the time. You know, do something different. And so, you know, and, and so I remember, the, you know, the very first time we went there and I said, okay, and I got there and I said, wait, well, hey, mom, we're going to go. You know, they, she lives out in Banning and they got this big outlet mall. We're going to go down there, check it out, you know, and stuff. And she was very kind of reluctant at first. You know, no, I just want to spend the time with you. No, we're going to spend the time. I said, we never get to shop or do those kinds of things together. Let's go. You know, so the next thing I know, we're like in Victoria's Secret trying on dirty underwear. You know, it was just... <laughs> With my mom, it was great. We're putting push-up bra things and all this other kind of stuff. You know, but it starts that way. It just starts with, a, you know, one more time, you know, a sponsor talking to me, giving me a shot at a good life if I so choose to take it. You know, because because my own devices, like I say, thinking this stuff up on my own, an answer, a positive answer on my own, you know, just doesn't come naturally for me. Like I say, I am just kind of hot-wired to think negatively because this is how I've been affected by the disease you know, of alcoholism. And, um, you know, and, and, and then, I, the, you know, the third thing I like to go is things that I would like to add to my character, you know, and that I would like to be able to say to myself, you know, what am I doing to grow and mature? What things did I not have at all, ever, you know? And I never had faith. Absolutely none. I was not brought up in any kind of religious anything. We never went to church. We never were spoken to about God. I never had faith. Um, humility, not a big thing for me either, because I associated that with humiliation and, uh, and did not understand, you know, what humility was about. And, and again, powerlessness, you know, was, 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 was not a gift that I had either. And, uh, and, you, and you have your own things, I'm sure, you know, that you want to, you know, it's just, I think a natural process of being in here is, you know, it was like the very first time I started feeling good about myself. It was such a foreign thing for me. The first time I heard myself laugh out loud by myself. I remember I was, we were going to a potluck, first big potluck thing I'm going to. And I had this lemon bar recipe and I made everything from scratch right down to the crust. No lemon bar, Betty Crocker stuff. No, I'm going to impress the crap out of everybody at the potluck. So, uh, so I got this recipe and, and of course my crust, because I am not a baker, but you know, my crust was like kind of raised above the lemon barry part. So some of that was kind of crispy. So I went around very carefully with a knife, you know, and you know, did all that good stuff. So it was just perfect. Brought it up to the sink. And the whole lemon dessert down the drain. I mean, everything just slid right out of the pan. And it was kind of almost sitting there whole in the sink. And I was trying to figure out how I could pick it up and get it back into the pan without anybody knowing it had been in my sink. And, uh, and, I, and I heard myself for just a set laugh out loud at the ridiculousness. And it was just like, and I had to literally turn around to see where that sound came from. You know, and the same thing being in meetings, you know, the first time I laughed at a meeting, the first time it was, you know, because to me, laughter is just such a precious, precious, precious gift. And I know there's serious stuff to deal with all the time, 
you know, but to me, laughter is, you know, we get scarred and laughter is the healing. That's the healing stuff that heals all those scar tissues. And uh, and I am so, so, so grateful for the laughter. When uh, one of the first meetings I used to go to in the beginning, we had this group and it was in an Alano club. I don't know if you have Alano clubs in St. Louis. We have them in California. And uh, and of course, the AAs are always in the big room in the front and we're always in the little crappy room in the back. And um you know, Steph, I started asking questions about that when I was going there for a while, because I am no co-nothing. I am sorry. I am sick all by myself. I need no flaming alcoholic to help me out. So uh, so anyway, but uh, but this meeting we were at, after we were there, you know, uh, one of the newcomers one time, she came in after I'd been in for a couple of years, and she goes, God, you know, you know, I like you guys, but they the, the front always seems so much more fun, you know, because he crushed the A, ho, 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 you know, and they're always laughing and carrying on. So then we made a pact in our meeting that every time that we heard the A's laugh, we would wait 60 seconds and then we would all start laughing hysterically in our meeting. So they would wonder what was going on in ours. Because I hate the reputation that we get as al you know, about being these mopey people and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, nothing is further from the truth. Absolutely nothing is further from the truth. But how I'm affected by alcoholism is that I'm a second-class citizen. You know, that, yeah, I'm supposed to be in this other room. You know, I am just a, a part, you know, I'm just, you know, that's why I don't like those terms. And I understand, you know, people use them and I got no problem with that. But I don't like codependent and I don't like, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Because, you know, then it takes the focus off of me. You know, the focus is supposed to be on me where I do have some power over my life. And uh, and, and then, you know, what's happened for me over the course of the 28 years. And, and again, a thing as my sponsor shared with me. And again, I can't emphasize enough about sponsorship. I mean, to me, there's this, these just terrific people that just take you through the deal. And it's really important for me to have a sponsor because I'm really good at faking it. You know, that's one thing alcoholism has taught me how to do is just how to look like you're OK and talk like you're OK while you're dying on the inside. You know, and stuff. And because I can take it to a sponsor, she knows that about me. And she knows when I don't know that I can't say I don't know. You know, but she has a way of just bringing that out in me and helping me to do with it. And uh, and one thing that that, that that she taught me that is very, very important to me, you know, is about, she said for every second in the program, that that's one second I have to keep my mouth shut instead of react. You know, and now I got 28 flaming seconds. It's a long time. I'm here to tell you it is a long time, but it is the biggest blessing in my life today. It's just that not having to react to anything that's going on. If I can just stop for 10, you know what you can do in 28 seconds? You can say a lot of prayers, you know, and then basically, you know, my go to prayer all the time is just God help me. Just God help me to do what I have to do and how I have to do it. And, um. You know, and, and then I kind of want to uh, end up this session with, you know, the other, you know, the fourth section for me is, um, you know, I want to end that on a positive note. You know, and the one thing that I, you know, we, we focus on our character defects. We focus on the things we want to change. We focus on the things we want to add. But it's just as important to remember about the things that you like about yourself. You know, I think that's, you know, again, one more time, I, you know, I, I tend to forget about that. I, I was at a meeting one time and this gal was sharing and, and she was one of those that always had the doom and gloom story all the time. And, 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 then, uh, and, and then she got up to share one time at a meeting and we're all waiting for the doom and gloom story. And she said, you know, my sponsor talked to me yesterday and she told me to tell you all that I'm better than I think I am. And, uh, 
And that just really stuck. And every time I'm thinking I'm a piece of crap or whatever, or I'm stupid, or I am not worthy, or I have nothing to give or nothing to share, you know, that's the deal, is that we are all better than we think, you know, we are. And when, I, and when you're thinking about the things that are good about you, you know, I hope that you stay away from the, you know, the usual Alan on I'm loyal, I'm dependable, I'm reliable. You know, there's a lot of things that are good about you. And, and you should also pick something about your physical, you know, feature your physical self that you like about yourself. Because I think we beat ourselves up a lot about that. I love in our literature where it says, you know, how we weren't attractive enough, you know, not smart enough. You know, again, these are really, the literature is so important because it really defines how we're thinking and what's going on. You know, and the bottom line is, is there's something beautiful about all of us. And if you are totally stumped to come up with anybody, then I want you to turn to the person next to you and ask them, you know, what is good about you? Because I'm sure they'll have an answer. I know your sponsor does. You know, so and that those are just, you know, and when you hang on to that positive reflection of yourself and see yourself the way that God sees you, you know, because as my sponsor likes to say, God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make junk. And uh, and he made all of us. And and again, how we're affected and what we're doing, you know, is is totally up to us. And um, and that's really kind of all the good stuff I have from my notes. Um, Again, I'm going to compensate for Leslie and keep us on time. So. But before we break out into the group, I want to read to you guys the page that really helps me stay focused on on what's going on in my life. And it's coming up. It's my favorite page. I read it so many times I can't even tell you. I could probably absolutely repeat it by verbatim without the book, but I'm going to read it from the book to make sure I don't mess up a page. And it's in the um, one day at a time, and it's January the 21st. And it says, if I can see myself clearly and honestly in relation to my present circumstances, I will not become the victim of self-pity or resentment. If I do what I should, I will be at peace with myself. It is only when I compare my lot in life with that of others that the destructive emotion of self-pity is allowed to engulf me. It is only by taking offense at what others do that I will be afflicted with resentment. If I do... If I feel what I am doing is right, I will not be dependent on the admiration or applause of others. It is gratifying, but not essential to my contentment. I will learn to judge my own motives, to evaluate my own actions, so that little by little I can bring them into line with my standards and ideals. Today's reminder, nothing has the power to hurt my feelings and stir up unwholesome emotions in me unless, unless I allow it. I will do what is given me to do. I will do it as well as I can. That will be my inner Security against which all outside battering will be powerless. Labor not as one who is wretched, nor yet as one who would be pitied or admired. Direct yourself to one thing only, to put yourself in motion and to check yourself at all times. So thank you for letting me share with you guys this morning.